So last week we looked at the conversion of Saul. We looked at his trip to Damascus and how he was knocked off of his high horse and this led him to embracing being certain of his uncertainty and and to knowing that God is bigger and better than he can even imagine and to shifting that understanding of who God is that to realize that Jesus is the image of God and we aren't. And it ultimately led to the question that we walked away from last week with, which is the same question that Saul asked when he says, Who are you, Lord? And we started saying, Who is God? Who is God to you? What does God mean to you? And it led us to the question that we used to see on those bracelets in the early 90s of what would Jesus do? And, and the challenge to allow the answer to that to impact everything that we say and do in our lives. And today we're going to kind of look at the continuation of that story as we're going to hear of another Ananias. Before a few weeks ago when we were in Acts chapter 5, you may not have even heard of anyone named Ananias. And today we've got our second one in just a few weeks. And this one, his small act of faithfulness changes the course of the Christian faith and the Christian church. Because what we hear beginning in Acts 9 verse 10 is that there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, Yes, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up. Go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas look for a a man of Tarshish named Saul. And at this moment, he is praying. And he is seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in, lay hands on him so that he might see again. But Ananias answered, answered, But Lord, I've heard about this guy. How much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind up and all who invoke your name, all disciples of the way. But God said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and he entered the house and he laid his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, and the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell off of his eyes and his sight was restored. And he got up and he was baptized. So, Before we even really dive into this text, I want to ask the question, what do you do when God calls you beyond your comfort, beyond your your desire, beyond your will? What do you do when God says, go love that person that you don't want to love or that seems unlovable? Because this is where Ananias finds himself today. Ananias has heard the stories of Saul and how he has been persecuting and killing Christians followers of the way. He's, he's heard the story of Stephen. He, he's heard that even that Saul has now received these letters from the high priest that we heard about last week so that he, he is on his way to arrest, persecute, and de- deport anybody that is serving God, or serving Jesus rather, and send them back to Jerusalem. 
send them before the courts. And so Ananias, as a follower of the way, is obviously fearful of Saul. And then we hear that God comes and speaks to Ananias and says, and calls his name, and Ananias' response is, Yes, Lord. Lord, what is it that you desire from, from me? And then he hears the request. God says, Go to Saul. And all of them automatically, we see Ananias' response shift from, yes, Lord, whatever you want, to, but God, whoo, do you know what you're asking? Do you know who Saul is? What he's doing to your people? But God, I don't know that I can do this. I, I'm willing to do anything and everything that you need for me to do, oh God, but God, don't ask me to do that. Because that's a bit much. Have you ever found yourself in that position? Yes, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to go do whatever it is that you're calling me to do. I will do anything. But not that. That's, that's beyond what I, what I feel led to do. That's beyond what I desire to do. That takes me out of my comfort zone. And then oftentimes what happens is instead of just saying, no, God, we start to create reasons that it shouldn't be our calling, that somebody else should have to do that. They're better equipped, God. They're, they're more called, God. Uh, or we just say it's not of God's will. God, God wouldn't ask me to go love those people that aren't of God, that live different lives than what Scripture proclaims, that are going against the church. God wouldn't ask me to do that. And so we, we write it off. We say, but Lord, I'm not going to do that. Many of us, we want to be obedient. We want to be faithful to the will of God. But when God calls us beyond our comfort, when God says, be more generous, we go, but God, I only got so much. When God says, forgive those who hurt me, we say, but God, you don't know them like I do. When God says, love the unlovable, we go, God, but God, there's a reason that they are unlovable, that the, that the world says no. We've all had a but God moment. And if you haven't had a but God moment, then I would ask you if you have ever left the safety of your understanding and logic to pursue something greater than yourself. Because when you start to venture out to things that, call, that make you reliant upon something greater than yourself, that's when doubt can start to creep in and you say, but God. But what we also know is that our faith is more developed when our comfort and our wants are challenged. This is, is when we begin to see if we are truly obedient and seeking to serve God or if we're only reliant upon our own power and ability. Our faith is grown in how we respond to those but God moments. Don't mishear me. The response of but Lord is all but human because but Lord is driven by ego and self 
it finds us being stubborn and going, ah, God, I think I know your way, and I don't think this is it. And we rebel against God, and we push back and go, ah, we become a little bit defiant and disobedient. But we're called to move past that feeling, to be faithful and God-filled, to be obedient to God's call. And Ananias is able to look beyond him, his own wants, his own but God, to see God's call and purpose for his life. Ananias's response is is pushback, if you will. It was rooted in this idea of I I know who Saul is, God. I don't I don't know if that's the best idea. And I think so often we can find ourselves using this too because what happens in our lives is we tend to measure people by their lowest moments, but God is viewing them and measuring them by their highest call. And we hear that in our text because Ananias goes, oh, but I know what Saul's done. I've heard the stories about what he's done to the people of the way. I know what he's coming here to do. And he views him by the lowest moment. And God goes, but I've got a greater call for him. And so often we can allow our own view of people to interfere with what God is calling us to do. You see, God loves not because of, but despite us. In in spite of our own low moments, our own failures, our own past, our own sin, God loves us. Because God's goodness is greater than our badness. And God seeks to redeem and resurrect our brokenness. That's what we're hearing in the story of Saul. God, if you look through the scripture, we in Jesus' parables, is always leaving the 99 and seeking the lost and the least. And Ananias is learning that. Because he has deemed Saul as the lost and the least and says, but God, that's, no, there's a reason that he's lost and least. And God says, go. Go, because God views all people as someone to be pursued and loved. And God sees all people as children of God and people of worth. And God says to Ananias, I have a bigger plan for Saul than even you can wrap your mind around. But what I need you to do is not to question, but what I need you to do is go find him and pray. And because of Ananias' faithfulness and obedience, we have much of the New Testament. You see, we may not be a a Saul, but we can be an Ananias. We we can show up in the lives of of just one person who is hurting, broken, blind, and in need of God. Because we all have the, the ability, the capacity to show up and be present especially for the person everyone else has given up on. Everyone else is abandoned. Everyone else is written off and written out of God's story and said they're not worthy. No, you may not stand up in front of thousands like Saul will, but you can stand with the one, the least, and the lost. See, we, we don't ever need to underestimate what God can do through a single act of obedience and faithfulness in our lives and in the life of others. 
You see, this, this story we just read, these ten verses, is the only moment in all of Scripture that we hear of this Ananias. There's 31,102 verses in the Scriptures, and he gets ten, which translates to roughly 0.03% of airtime in the Scriptures. 0.03%. But because Ananias is faithful with that, we get Saul's writings to the church. Over 50% of the New Testament. This action that Ananias does within these 10 verses will lead to a ripple effect that is still impacting people today. It is still growing the church today because Ananias looked beyond his butt God and was faithful to the call that God has placed on his life. Ananias' actions to follow and pursue God's God and God's love and share it with the oppressor, with the one that it's hard to love, creates a ripple effect. And it, it echoes Christ on the cross, Christ crucified, because with Christ on the cross, what we hear is as he came and died for all people, for everyone that Jesus Christ knew that not everyone would accept. Not everyone would accept the gift of God's resurrection and love. But God, but Christ still came and died. This is a call to go to our enemy, to those that it's hard for us to love, to those that we disagree with, and those that have maybe even hurt us, those that persecute us, those that vote differently, look differently, and act differently than we do. But not to go armed with violence, hate, aggression, and retribution, but with love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and peace. Because if we desire to create a different world, we must live differently. So Ananias goes from yes, Lord, to but, Lord. But in verse 17, notice what we hear because we hear him go. When he prays, he says, Brother Saul. In verse 13, Saul is the other. He is one to be avoided. He is beyond redemption and forgiveness. But by verse 17, we see a shift in Ananias' heart. He no longer sees Saul as the other to be avoided, but as a brother to be loved. You see, we all have others in our lives. But today God is calling us to go to the other that we've avoided. Because in the body of Christ there is no other to be avoided, only sisters and brothers to be loved. But to do so, we need God to come and to shift and to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes that we can shift from verse 13 to verse 17. And verse 13 focuses on, on what Saul did or didn't do, on how he acted or didn't act. And I think so often we do the same where we look at people and say, look at what they did or didn't do, how they act or don't act. But God calls us to focus on who they are and who they are called and created to be as sons and daughters, as sisters and brothers, as people to be loved, cared for. As we close, I want to close with these lyrics from a Brandon Heath song called Give Me Your Eyes that was a song that came out 
when I was in high school, roughly, and I want this to be our prayer and our desire as we leave. In the song, he says, Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I keep missing, give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. As we go forth seeking to be the church, let us move beyond our but God to be obedient disciples, seeking God's eyes and heart as we seek to go forth and do God's will in a world that so badly needs to see, hear, and feel His presence. Amen.